the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Knapp. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coach to Coach Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris, and Paul, I'm ready to get weird with our Coaster Knots today. That is right, Chris, because today we will be listening to Art Bell's April 9th, 1995 interview with Travis Walton and Mike Rogers from the infamous Fire in the Sky abduction story. Art, 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 art. Now, Chris, how familiar are you with Travis Walton's story? Dude, I, so I have, of course, heard of Fire in the Sky. I mean, the books, the movies, the documentaries have heard of it. I don't actually know the story. So this is going to be a very interesting listen for me. Well, I'm excited to get your take because we are going to be hearing it straight from the horse's mouth, Chris. None of that Hollywood BS. Yeah, dude. We're going right to the source. No hokum here. None of that, dude. So we'll be digging into what happened to Travis Walton when he got abducted and all about all the lie detector tests that everyone had to take, which is very exciting. 100% 100% pure conspiracy straight to the veins. Right to the veins, Chris. But before we get to get that, we got to check in with our good friend, Tim Benall, the Coast to Coast AM blog. Tim time! Today's article, Locust Swarm Sparks Apocalyptic Fears in Mexico. Yeah, that would do that. <laughs> that would do that very quickly. I love a good apocalypse story. Yeah. From the article. An enormous swarm of locusts filled the sky over several parts of a Mexican state and left many unsettled residents fearing that the eerie event was a harbinger of the end times. Any type of animal mass event is a sure sign of the apocalypse, right? Most if definitely. there are like frogs raining from the heavens, I would think, wow, this is probably an apocalypse. If yeah. I saw locusts, destroying fields and giant clouds that's apocalypse if i see a river running with blood i'm thinking apocalypse the river running with blood one definitely would make me feel apocalyptic yeah very scary i'm just thinking of all the pharaoh's mm-hmm. tragedies all of them yeah all of them any of those would say i think we may have an apocalypse on our hand every firstborn son dying that would be pretty terrifying. Very apocalyptic. I would think, I would think apocalypse. In that. Everyone covered in boils? Very yeah, bad. Yeah. Not good. According to a local media report, the unnerving incident occurred this past Tuesday afternoon. People living in the Yucatan capital of Meridia and surrounding communities noticed that the day had suddenly grown inexplicably darker. Wow, that is a ton of locusts if they're blotting out the sun. (laughs) When they looked overhead to see what had caused the strange change, they were stunned to see that the sun had been obscured by thousands of locusts passing over the area. Dude, I was going to say maybe millions if it was that much. Holy cow. Yeah, I mean, if they're blocking out the sun, man, that's a lot of bugs in the sky. That's too many bugs. (laughs) 
As one might imagine, videos of the spooky swarm soon filled social media with several people offering the worrisome suggestion that perhaps the event was apocalyptic in nature. So I've always heard that a locust is just a, like, something happens in the environment that sends grasshoppers into, like, a frenzy, and then that frenzy turns them into locusts. I don't think that's true at all. Oh, okay. (laughs) So then I don't actually know what a locust is. Locusts are various species of short-horned grasshoppers that have a swarming phase. These insects are usually solitary, but under certain circumstances, they become more abundant and change their behavior and habits, becoming gregarious. Non-taxonomic distinctions made between locust and grasshopper species. The basis for the definition is whether a species forms swarms under an intermittently suitable conditions. This has evolved independently in multiple lineages, comprising at least 18 genera in five different accredited subfamilies. Bada bing, baby. I'm more right than you are. Uh, you are more right than me. I admit, I will fully admit that. Yeah. Grasshopper-like things that swarm for some reason. Yeah. They do, oh, something in the environment just tells them we got to go nuts. Uh, God saying the world's about to end. And yeah, that's it. Really, yeah, that's the thing. That's and the grasshopper's it. like, oh, let's go crazy, uh, dude. Yeah. That's, oh, we got to eat everything humans have ever planted now. It's a giant party that grasshoppers have because the right. world's about to end. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like a Bakken event. And yeah. they just... They get infused with Bacchernalia and just go wild over everything. Yeah. The sense of dread that was picked up by even media outlets in Mexico, which noted that a plague of locusts is specifically cited in the Bible as a sign of the end times. (laughs) It's in the Bible, everyone. (laughs) Listen to us. I love how many times the end times has been applied to the world. Like over the past 2000 years, the world has ended like at least 2000 times. Uh, I think (laughs) there may be multiple events in a year where the world ends. The, the Christian fashion fascination with the world ending is uh, very, very intriguing. And it really feels like a particularly Christian phenomenon. I don't think other religions really do this. Maybe the Abrahamics, but other than the Abrahamics, nobody's really into the world ending. The the Hindus always, like, the gods could end the world, right? Mm. But other gods always intervene to stop the god from destroying the world. Yeah. It feels like Christians are like, no, we want our god to destroy the world's like as soon as possible. Yeah, like please come destroy the world. Yeah. I'm really tired of this. It is a very kind of modern age thing though. I think Christians were before their time where I feel like nowadays people are just like screw it dude, just end it and yeah. end everything. Well, and we've all have now watched so many survival movies that we all think we would survive and it's like no, 95% of you are dying in this apocalyptic event. None of us have real survival skills. Yeah, no. Are you kidding? (laughs) If you live in America in the suburbs or a city, you don't have any survival skills. You you die immediately. Even the Gen Z and millennial rural kids don't have the survival skills their parents have. 
I'll last a couple weeks though. I got I got some uh some stored food. Yeah, once you go after all <laughs> your food and what's about it, I'm in trouble. You're dead. Well, here's my thing. I can think of many scenarios where I would need to last three weeks. Right. But if I need to last more than three weeks, I'm okay with just dying. Yeah. That means something really went wrong. Yeah, something's bad. <laughs> so that's my thing. It's like three weeks is kind of my line. And then beyond that, I feel like I don't need additional resources. Yeah. I'm just going to just call it. If it takes longer <laughs> than three weeks, we're screwed anyways as a civilization. Yeah, dude. Even with Katrina, the government was there within three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And you were white, so you would have been fine. Yeah, I would have picked up like probably three days in. Yeah, you, it's you were fine. not you were not making it weeks as a white boy, middle Go. class white boy in New Orleans. You were gonna be you would have fled. You would have fled. <laughs> I would have I would have left. You would have gotten out of New Orleans. Fortunately, that would seem to not be the case, being the apocalypse curse. For now, as the frightening flyover only lasted a few days and did not result in any significant damage to crops in the region. Well, that's good. That's good. Okay, so we made it out scot-free from this particular plague. Go team. Do you think this is just like a warning shot from God? Maybe. Just like, be stay frosty. Yeah. It's, stay frosty. It's about to get really weird. Just yeah. wanted to give you just a taste. Hey, no one knows the time when Jesus is coming back, Chris. That's so right. he's got to keep us on our toes. I thought it was the hour of our deaths. Both. Oh, okay. All things. <laughs> Nobody knows anything, damn it. We don't know much. That's what <laughs> that said, those who found themselves enveloped by the bugs as they went about their business earlier this week can be forgiven for thinking that it might have been the end of the world. Do you remember back in Arkansas... Every summer, like right at the beginning of the summer, it was like late May, early June, our whole entire town would be covered by green grasshoppers. Yes. Yes. They were not locusts. They had not done their, their they weren't swarming. Yeah. Th this, th it was not God magic yet, <laughs> but they were everywhere and they like took up. It was, they were particularly fascinated for some reason with large glass windows yeah because all the windows just, like all the storefronts were just covered. all the storefronts would just yeah. be covered in these fluorescent green grasshoppers for like one week i would always and i don't know if this was true or not but i remember someone once told me that it's because of the air conditioning like the grasshoppers were going through the cold uh, thing so it was so hot I don't know if and it's it true, would, though. Well, and the glass would be much colder than the surrounding building, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was what everyone always said. But regardless, every storefront was covered in grasshoppers. <laughs> Even God's creatures in Northeast Arkansas are like, could you make it just a little bit cooler, sir? <laughs> just a little much, y'all. A little much. too hot. <laughs> I'm a bug, and I need some air conditioning. Well, speaking of God's creatures, Chris, aliens are also God's creatures. God, so it's a great transition. <laughs> Incredible. You. But you forgot our uh our, our uh oh, housekeeping. housekeeping. But before we get to that, let's okay. get some housekeeping. You can support the show at <laughs> You can support the show at patreon.com slash coast to coast pm. You can find us on Reddit, our coast to coast pm, and you can email me c to c pod at gmail.com. 
patreon.com. All of those links will be in the show notes. Patreon's only two bucks a month. Keep the show running. Keep us on the air. Help us pay our podcasting bills. It's not cheap being professional podcasters. And oh, uh, I don't know if I'd use that word for us. <laughs> would you not? I would still say we're amateurs. <laughs> we are. Well, here's the thing about podcasting, Chris. I think everyone who does it's an amateur. Even the New York Times. If you can live off of it, then you're a professional. All right, that's fine. Amateur podcasters. Yeah. Whatever. You want to start the show? Let's go. All right, so let's jump to the Travis Walton fire in the sky incident. This was an incident that occurred on November 5th, 1995, where Travis Walton, who was a logger, was out with his crew. And uh, we'll hear what happens. He gets abducted, Chris. Not to spoil the story, but it happens in... 70s so i feel like people probably know what it is okay so uh, he comes out in 95 yeah with this story that actually happened in 1972 so the story which had occurred in 1975 okay um came out immediately in the papers but okay. the reason why they are doing this interview with Art bell is because the movie had just come out okay yeah. got it so the Fire in the Sky movie just came out, and Art was like, let me talk to these boys. We'll get the real story. So at a lot of points in this interview, you're going to hear them reference like, oh, the movie showed it this way, but that's not actually what happened, et cetera, et cetera. And that's because the movie like literally, I think, was out in theaters at this time. Okay. So let's start with why were they there at this particular logging site? Uh, Mike, you had a government contract of some kind with the Forest Service? Right. What was that to do? Well, we had to thin out the trees that were damaged and diseased and, and whatnot after a logging operation and pile the debris. Uh, basically, it's just kind of an ecological program that uh, cleans up the forest after logging and makes the trees grow better. All right. And you were the crew chief for that? Right. Uh, how big a project was it? How long were you going to be up there? Uh, we'd been on it about a year and a half at that time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I see. All right. So it was a pretty good, pretty good sized contract. Exactly. So not to already bring up our 4chan alien guy, but one of the things that he really emphasized in his 4chan blurb was that the aliens are particularly interested in large scale diseases and diseases that are rare within the human taxonomy. And so I wonder if the aliens wouldn't have been studying whatever this disease that took over this forest that this guy is working in. That's interesting. I hadn't seen that sort of analysis before, but that is curious that they were taking care of diseased trees. Yeah. And, and I just, again, yeah, there's a UFO there. It was so prominent in the in the 4chan blog or 4chan series mm -hmm. uh, from that guy who claimed to be somebody like one of the scientists working on the UFOs. Yeah. But I, I always go back to that now and try to like draw parallels mm -hmm. um, to what all these people are saying now, especially looking back on older, you know, stories. Yeah. And that's the thing that I like about that post, regardless of if it's true or not, I think it is an excellent distillation of UFO lore mm -hmm. and kind of like this 
the synthesis of all of these different stories that have been out there. So I think that is like an excellent source material to reference regardless of whether or not like, because we don't know if this guy is is legit or not, but his story solid. (laughs) It's a good story. It was decades of, like you were saying, it's decades of information that has been synthesized into this is the best scientific alien lore that we have. And that's what, even if it was fake, I thought he did a particularly great job on that. Very true. Very true. Well, Chris, Travis and Mike out there logging, cutting down trees like a bunch of manly men. Uh, I am a soft boy, so I don't know what that's like. But they were having a relatively normal day at work until they left for the day returning to town. I was going to say, Paul, we do wear flannel. So that's we're true. almost we're almost loggers. I do live in the mountains and wear yes. flannel. Yeah. And so. the occasional vest. Yes, you're so close <laughs> to being a logger. It's incredible. You guys arrived okay at the work site then, worked all day, left the work site around dark. Was it already dark when you left? Well, not quite dark. It was it was getting dark. The sun had gone down and it was darkening. Okay. Um then you, uh, on the way down, I guess, um, you both saw something, some sort of uh, glow or fire in the sky. It, it, the way the ma- movie made it look, I've seen fires at night, and it looked just like a fire in the distance, kind of lighting the horizon. Is that about right? Well, we could see it through the trees, and, you know, first we didn't know really what it was. We thought it might be a, a forest fire, but it was more of a, a golden color rather than a red mm-hmm. uh, color. Okay, so they see, they probably don't know it's a UFO now. It's just a strange light. Yeah, they basically see a strange light. I love Art being like, maybe you could call it a fire in the sky. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Art, we've all called it now that for 20 years. That's exactly what's happening. (laughs) That's the name name of the movie, Art. (laughs) So they keep driving towards this light because there's only the one road (laughs) to get out, right? They're in a logging field. So they're they're getting closer to it. They don't really know what it is yet. Did you guys head toward this, or did you just keep going down the road, and that took you closer to the light? Yeah, that's the way it was. See, there was just no other way out of there, and uh, we had no choice but to keep going the direction we were going. All right, and somebody yelled to stop the car. Was that you, Travis? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it was me. Um, as soon as we got around this, this uh, group of trees, this thicket, uh, to where we could see the source of this, somebody in the back yelled out, it's a spaceship, or something like that. I mean, it was unmistakable. It was so close that, you know, I mean, everybody knew what it was right off the bat. Nobody needed to say what it was. Paul, have you ever been on logging land, like land that's owned by foresters that cut down the trees? I don't think so. It's actually really fascinating because you get back there and it it looks like a tree farm. Like it's just rows and rows and rows and rows of pine trees. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because there's like, you can see the cut, how they've cut over the years and then replanted, right? It's very interesting. But I was just going to comment on the roads. The roads are so treacherous. Yeah. Like they are not, you have to have four wheel drive. And really, 
when we were out there, we saw a lot of guys in like four wheelers and stuff just because you're going up very tough and very small little roadways a lot of the times. I mean, I've heard of guys that have to pack mules to get to some of their logging sites. Yeah, and that's similar to what they're driving down too, because they do discuss that at a later point. But um, this is a janky dirt road that they're yeah. on. It's not good. It's not yeah. good. So they're on this janky dirt road. They see a spaceship, right? Yeah. Uh, and they talk a little bit more about what the spaceship looked like, which I thought was interesting. What, what we saw was um, a, a very distinct as as a mechanical object with you know hard angular edges. It, oh. it didn't have the shape that they gave it in, in the movie. Now, the guys described it as looking to be the color of molten metal coming out of a blast furnace. But, you know, they're talking about white hot, golden hot, you know? Sure. So, you know, they gave the craft in the movie a kind of a molten red flowing sort of look that, that wasn't really the way it was. How far, how, if you had to judge, or either one of you who saw it, how far above ground was it? Oh, I don't know, 20 feet. Uh, 20 feet? Oh, that's not far. In other words, it was way down below the tree line. Yeah. All right, so we got this craft just hovering there. Yeah, and it's it's angular with, like, hard edges, too, which I thought was interesting, because you usually don't hear that about UFOs. Usually it's smooth. Very like, smooth. Because that's the big thing with uh, talking about them being 3D printed in some way, is that right. they don't seem to have any seams, usually. Right. Well, and I again, going back to our fortune guy, I have really enjoyed the it's a plate with food and then you put tinfoil over it. Yeah. And so the plate is like the structure that holds all the instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And then they just pretty much put a wrap around all that stuff to keep all the instrumentation safe. Well, yeah, and this this just sounds a little different to me because he's yes. talking about having hard angles as opposed right. to just like one big wrap. Yeah, that sounds human. Yeah, but you know, who knows? Who knows? Humans, Chris, we love our edges. Humanity let's find loves out. its edges. <laughs> let's find out if this is human or not. Okay. So, Chris, you're driving down the road. You see a spaceship hovering twenty feet above the ground. What do you yes. do at that point? Oh, I don't. I don't think I know what I would actually do. I think a part of me does go towards the spaceship that is exactly what travis does travis gets out of the truck yeah that mike boy is driving and goes yes. towards the spaceship which yes. i think is the coolest thing he could have done. yes yes then the movie travis shows you getting out of the truck uh yeah um i was thinking that this thing was just gonna zip off and be gone you know, the way it is when you catch sight of a, yeah. of a wild animal in the woods, you know, you're just going to glimpse it and it's going to be gone. And so I was in a hurry to get up to it before it left. Uh, uh, <laughs> but you know, was, here's where i got to stop you for a second, Travis. You know in the horror movies when inevitably the lady, uh, you hear this noise, this horrible noise, and inevitably she goes to one place she shouldn't go down to the basement. <laughs> where something eats her. <laughs> so, in other words, here you are with a pretty frightening thing going on, a ship hovering, what, 20 feet above the ground or something, and you get out of the truck and go under it? Uh, it's kind of a crazy impulse. <laughs> but it's an impulse I think a lot of us get. I, I would mean, 100% walk yeah. towards the UFO. Yeah. Like, it's... What, what if aliens came out? Yeah. And, like, they haven't destroyed you yet. You know... Th they obviously know you're there. Yeah. 
you're in a vehicle with a bunch of humans. They have detected you already. Yeah, and if they want to get rid of you, they're going to get rid of you. They would have gotten rid of you before you even saw the lights of the UFO. So you may as well try and make contact. That's what I'm saying. I have been dying for some sort of paranormal contact my entire life. And if I see a UFO, I'm going towards it, dude. And if I see a ghost, I'm talking to it. Yeah. Well, this is making, I'm being, make, making the attempt. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, when you... It sounds a little silly, though, but if you think about it, when you hear, like, a weird noise in your house, do you not go investigate? Because I always go investigate. I don't know. Uh, okay. Dependent. I, I know most of the weird noises in my house by now. Yeah. Well, that's fair. But, like, when I first moved here and I yes. hear something weird, you know, yeah. you're I, I always go look. I'm like, what is that? Yeah, you know? what is that? Yeah. So, I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. So, he's out. He's walking towards this thing, and he's, like, getting underneath it, and then something explodes, Chris. Now, in the in the movie, it showed this bolt of light that came down and literally threw you up in the air. Is that is that accurate, or is that dramatic license? So what they did there in the movie uh, didn't quite look the way it actually happened. In fact, the movie didn't make it quite dramatic enough. The movie did some things that were a little... A little exaggerated. In other places, they under-exaggerated, and that's one of the places where the movie didn't make it as dramatic as it was in real life. Uh, the thing that hit Travis, whatever it was, was so powerful that it blew him back like an explosion. It didn't. It didn't gently lift him up and throw him back like that. It. It, it was his going backwards was the result of a very uh, uh, hard. A blast of some kind. Like, I've described it many times as like a hand grenade going off in front of him. And he was blown backwards, literally. Wow. And, uh, Travis, is that where your immediate memory ends? In other words, were you out cold? Yeah, I just I just kind of felt a numbing sort of a shock, but, but it was just, I was out instantly. Out instantly. Okay, well, you know, all that stuff I was saying about how they seemed relatively peaceful was all BS. <laughs> yeah, blasted well, him. He got blasted. Now got the question blasted. is, was it an intentional blasting? You know, I don't think we know. Well, it, it sounds like it didn't actually hurt, and it just knocked him out. Yeah, it took him out, and then it was a stunning. They had their faces on stun. Yes. Now, what the blast was, we aren't totally sure. But it did blast him up in the air, and, and he landed on the ground. And at that point, the bo boys, like, completely sped off. They just, like, peeled the truck out, and it yeah. started railing down the road. We got to get the heck out of here. In the direction that this thing had been, and and a, a, a light, this thing never really got above the treetops. It just, you could see the light, I mean, it, it lifted up and streaked away to the, the northeast. Oh, my God. Well, now, see, they missed that one in the movie, too, really. Uh-huh. Uh, so you're saying the craft, uh, and you were how far from it? Still a quarter, quarter of a mile away. quarter of a mile away, and you saw it lift up and streak away at this point. Right. It was, it was so fast, and, you know, you couldn't see it clearly because you're looking through the trees. Remember, these, these trees right next to us are, are reaching to the sky, and there wasn't any way that, that you can see anything clearly, but you could, uh, you could see through the foliage. You could see this, this light a quarter of a mile away uh, raise up. And, uh, and streak away. Wow. This is all very interesting. Very fascinating yeah. stuff. It's funny, though. I keep on, when he's talking, I keep on making the craft look like a UFO. 
but I yeah. keep uh, I got uh, and then I have to remind myself that this is like a boxy angular craft. And so I uh, the boxy angular craft makes me think we're dealing with humans. Yeah, it, it definitely looks different. I think the question would be what technology did we have in the 70s in the 70s right. that would be able to replicate this? I don't think we really had much. This is the first generation of what became the UFO program. That's a possibility. This could be Gen 1 of the UFOs. We're looking at a Gen 1 or a Gen 2 of what now is like Gen 12, Gen 15, that they can now truly convince us we're dealing with aliens and it's just deep state black ops. So there's no aliens at all in this world. It's all deep state. It's all deep state black ops. It's deep state all the way down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't fool me. It's deep state all the way yeah. down. I So we got our boys. They peel out. They're a quarter mile down the road and they see the ship leave, right? Yeah. So at that point, they're like, man, we should probably go back and see if Travis is okay. Because <laughs> Oh, they, they left, left Travis. They left Travis. They, left they didn't him on even the get him. No. Oh, Travis was left on the ground. <laughs> He's just lying there. Yes. Bad friends. Really not great friends. No one got out to get their buddy. I guess loggers don't practice leave no man behind. Uh, Not at all. Not They will leave you behind in an instant. They peeled down the road and didn't return until the ship left. (laughs) (laughs) Which is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) 10 out of 10. (laughs) All right. So they go back to try and find Travis. They're like, oh, man, he's probably hurt. Uh, so here you are, I guess, headed back up the hill with everybody in the truck. You're going to find Travis, and I take it you go up a little slower than you came down. A lot slower. Yeah, we uh, we headed back up there and very, very slowly, very cautiously. Uh, we were still in a mild state of panic. I mean, it wouldn't have taken much to cause us to turn around and run, but... Uh, we were headed that way, and, and we did get back to the site where where this had happened. We took a flashlight out of the glove box and shone it around there while we were still in the truck. Uh, not seeing anything, uh, shone the flashlight into the clearing where Travis had fallen, and he wasn't there either. It would take a little bit of courage to go back after this whole experience. Yeah, like I don't necessarily blame them for running away because oh, if I'm if sure you it see was that ins- it was instantaneous, right? This this vehicle starts sending out blasts, <laughs> blast your friend. Yeah, dude, you're running immediately. Yeah, it's very you know fight or flight. There's not much fighting you can do in that scenario. No, no, I'm sure they didn't even have guns on. No, no, they would not have at all. Because, I mean, they were just at their work site. Well, they probably had some guns on the work site. Probably, yeah, but they, they don't mention having firearms at all. The amount of black bears we saw out there, those dudes definitely have. Like, I, I, I'm i serious. I've never seen more black bears in my life than on, like, company forest ground. Probably had some bear mace, too. Yeah. So. But, again, nice. not not taking on a, a unidentified flying object. No, definitely not. I don't think bear mace works great on aliens, but I haven't tried it, so I don't know. I don't know. You blast anybody in the eyes with pepper, it's going to hurt. 
Maybe if they're that, allergic to pepper, like we are, that may be a universal trait <laughs> across the universe. Bear mace is incredibly <laughs> always works. <laughs> All right, so at this point, Chris, they make the only rational um, uh, analysis of what has just occurred, which is that Travis has been abducted by aliens. They think he got taken. They think he got taken. Liam Neeson needs to come get. Travis. Yes. Okay. The only tracks we could find, which were barely visible in the pine needles intermittently, is a heel mark in the edge of the road that I saw before we got out of the truck. And then, uh, you know, there was, you could see uh, the, the pine needles were disturbed there where Travis had fallen, where he had stood. And, but that was the only sign of him. There was nothing else there. Mm-hmm. And there were no footprints in the road leading out to. Uh, but, you know, from what we saw of, of the way that this thing hit him and how he flew backwards and how he hit the ground, it, it was pretty unanimous feeling among us that uh, that he wouldn't have gotten up from where he lay, you know. So he had to be taken. Yeah. Well, everything put together, uh, all this put together, uh, it made that very strong. So what we're learning is if you see a craft in the forest, do not get out of the car. Unless you want to be abducted. Unless you want to be abducted. So you're telling me you're getting out of the car. I'm probably getting out of the car. I want you're, to be taken. <laughs> Please take me. You're going to be like those ladies on uh, Independence Day at the party yeah. where the where the UFO shows up and you're just holding a sign like, take me, please. Yeah. And then they just send a death ray down and blast you. That's going to be me. Yeah. That's going to be I, you. That's my problem is that I'm too thirsty for it. And I realize that. And that is, I seriously believe one of the reasons why you don't experience anything. <laughs> Cause I want it too badly. You want it so badly that it's like messing up the ability for your pineal gland to penetrate the other realms man i'm just gonna lean back i need to learn to lean back that these stories the, are just too cool like how do you not want this to happen to you that and the tap water is really affecting your pineal gland it's all the fluoride yeah all the fluoride that's yeah, exactly that's right fair. so that's fair get get one of those purifiers that take the fluoride out of the tap water and then you'll start decrusting your pineal gland mm-hmm. and this will allow you to either a communicate with aliens or b conjure the dead i just want one of the two i don't need yeah. both i'm yeah. not greedy right which one so- would you pick <laughs> out of the two um probably communicate with aliens i feel like there's yeah. more to learn um, yeah i'm going with aliens too. but if i can raise the dead that's also pretty awesome it's a great know? it's a great you know party trick yeah but you communicating know. with aliens would be way more fun. Yeah, it definitely would. Well, speaking of communicating with aliens, Chris, our friend Travis got abducted and disappeared for five entire days. What? Oh! He's just gone for five days. So at this point, the guys, they go back to town. Mike, who's, you know, like the team lead, basically, he's usually the one that should be in charge of calling the cops, but he doesn't want to tell the cops that Travis got abducted because they don't think that they're going to believe him. He's like, let's just say that Travis went missing and that way they'll look for right. him. If we say he got abducted, they're not going to do anything about this. Right. Um, Our friend got abducted by aliens. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> See you later. 
So instead, one of the other guys who's like a boy scout was like, no, we have to call the cops. So they call the cops to tell them and then they uh, go out and they have like a search party. Um, so this is this is now we because we have both Travis and Mike talking on this interview. This is now right. Mike discussing what happened after Travis disappeared. This is five days later or this is we're starting like the the like day or two after. Uh, I believe we're still like in the middle of the five days. Is oh, we're still in the middle here. of the five days. Okay. Yeah. Now, Mike, to you. Um, so. This went on. There was five days of pure hell. I mean, Travis was gone for five days. What did that? What happened? You 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 talked to the police the first time, I guess. They arrived and you started telling them this story. Yeah, it was a, it was a very harrowing five days. Believe me, it, it was the worst five days of my life, and it didn't get much better the next several days after that. But uh, yeah, they the sheriff. Although he's always held held a line publicly that he's skeptical, mm-hmm. uh, I think he was the only one of the three police officers that we met with that that night that uh, gave us a glimmer of hope. He he partly believed at least at least he his mind was open to the possibility that what we were saying altogether was true. Well, here's a guy who probably knew you. It's a pretty small town there, and he he knew your characters. So, well. In reality, he had actually had uh, a, a sighting himself uh, not too long before that, a, a few months or years before that. Where are we located in the world again? We are in Arizona. There's a lot of logging in Arizona? Yeah, it's the uh, Apache Site Greaves National Forest. So Arizona's giant. So I think there's a big section that is forested. That is forested. I just, yeah. you know, I naturally, I don't know anything about the Southwest. Just think the whole place is desert. So <laughs> I don't think, when I think logging, I don't think Don't-y Arizona Arizona. and New Mexico. Yeah. So we're hanging out in Arizona right now. Okay. Well, come on. I mean, that's spook territory. Any, yeah. I mean, the, the entire Southwest, I feel like, is just spook it's city. Spook city. Yeah, so uh, very, very high potential there, Chris. Now, the other interesting thing is that they go out and they have a giant search party. They have like helicopters and dogs and all this stuff that go out looking for Travis and right. they can't find any evidence of him. He's just disappeared. Just gone completely. Just gone. No, yeah. no tracks, no trace, nothing. This speaks to that whatever these beings were did take him. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing the cops do is they have all of the members of the crew take a lie detector tests about what happened, because now everyone in the truck is basically thought to have potentially killed Travis. A suspect. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, y'all killed Travis, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And and they're coming up with like, it's not even a good story. Yeah, It's a terrible story. It's a terrible story to cover up your murder. (laughs) Travis got abducted by aliens. They wanted you to take a lie detector test. Is that right? That's right. Um, uh, I imagine you thought pretty hard before you uh, decided you'd take it. Well, not really. Uh, We all knew that we were telling the truth. Uh, There was no doubt of that. And we certainly knew we didn't uh, murder anybody. And uh, they wanted us to go down to the county seat, which we did the following day. And they had it all set up for us. They had a uh, lie detector man up from Phoenix, a DPS, a state police polygraph operator. Mm-hmm. His name was Cy Gilson. 
and uh, he looked like a mean guy. <laughs> yeah, Gee, we, and, and, you know, in the movie, they made him look like Mr. Friendly, and uh, everybody well, said he's the best, you'll be happy with this, and all the rest of it. He, today, he sort of looks like Mr. Friendly, uh, you know, 20 years later. <laughs> but back at the time, he looked pretty stern, and he acted real stern. And Putting the polygraph artists on blast. Yeah, dude. Just a jerk, that guy. And notice I used the term artist. <laughs> because <laughs> polygraphs are, yeah, it's fake. It's not fake, Chris. It's just not necessarily determinative. <laughs> it's not fake. You just can't use it as evidence <laughs> ever. It's just kind of useless. It's fine. <laughs> they just use it to frighten you. But here's the thing. So they all take the test, right? Four out of five pass the polygraph test. Pass the fake test. And the fifth was inconclusive. And it seems to be because he hated cops so much that they couldn't actually get a read on him. That's the best <laughs> answer ever. He's so anti-police yeah. that he just is so angry the whole entire time. That's pretty much the way they describe this guy. Just hated the cops, yes. had a record, wanted yeah. nothing to do with them and their damn tests, and uh, they they could not get a baseline. Oh, I'm sure he was anti-government and, like, a libertarian. Yeah, he's probably the kind of guy you want to have a beer with in a dive yeah. bar, you know? I want to hear about this guy's life. Yeah, real tell constitutionalist. Me, yeah, tell me more about how taxation is theft. Let's go. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, why shouldn't we wear seatbelts again? Yeah. <laughs> you should be able to drink beer and drive, man. I'm sorry <laughs> the government destroyed that. They're fascists. They're fascists. So fascist. I've only been in a couple of those bars. It's fine. Um, so they all pass their tests, right? And that's one of the big proof points for the story is that we got a lot of lie detector tests that get passed here. So like you said, Chris, that's not determinative. But it is interesting that they all pass. Now, they were asked essentially four questions. Three of them had to do with, did you kill this guy? And then one had to do, <laughs> did someone take him? So <laughs> most of the test was about the missing person's case. But there was did you a kill your friend? You no. Kill <laughs> Are you sure you didn't kill your friend? Yes. Did one of your friends kill your friend? No. Was it aliens? Yes. <laughs> All right, polygraph is done. That's basically what it was. <laughs> the polygraph is done. Oh my god, it's so silly. I wish I could have been in that room when the polygraph guy was debriefed on what was about to happen. Yeah. Like, that would have been great. Here's the thing they probably have heard everything. Yeah, they probably have heard everything because, especially back in the day, they would put you on a polygraph for anything. Yeah, and it, I think back in the day you could use it in court too. Yeah, it was it was hot for a while, man, until they realized, oh, this is actually kind of nonsense. Oh, actually, this is fake, and you can learn to break it. But you know who still uses it though is the freaking government, man. For a lot yeah. of FBI jobs and stuff, you have to pass polygraph tests. Every um, single police job I've ever heard of no. makes you take a polygraph test, which is but so again, silly. What they're doing though, what they're doing in those instances is more of a fraternal thing. You know, like when you first join the fraternity and you get in the room with the brothers and they're like asking you all your secrets or whatever it is, tell them embarrassing stuff about yourself. That's what this is. It's, are you going to lie to us? Yeah. And what they've, you know, and so it's like, 
Have you ever done marijuana? Have you ever done cocaine? Have you ever done mushrooms? Have you ever done, you know, have you ever had sex with a man? Have, have you ever, you know what I mean? Like they ask you all these questions and it's not so much if you say yes or no to them. It's if you tell them the truth. I don't think they ask if you have sex with a man anymore, but they definitely did back. In the they day. definitely <laughs> did. They definitely did. Yeah, that was, a, that's a, especially with the CIA and stuff, they would do that. Um, very anti-gay dude very very the whole government man you lose your job dude yeah messed up man until like the 80s (laughs) i think even later well as clinton put in don't ask don't tell yeah right well that was the military that was the military i was just talking about pure government yeah yeah well so chris we've talked a little bit about what happened back home let's learn what happened to travis because travis does have some memories from being taken and this is where it gets really weird Travis, what do you remember? Well, you know, there were certain things that occurred in the movie that, you know, sort of uh, symbolized things that I underwent, uh, left you with the same kinds of emotions. But as far as the actual events were concerned, none of it was really there, you know, except in symbolic form. There was no uh, cocoon. There was no... The the ship itself looked uh, very clean and uh hospital-like it was not all trashy and oh my that's yeah that's very different very very different so you you know you lost consciousness obviously uh when the light hit you right and uh what is the first thing that you can remember after that just pain i was just coming to and i was in a lot of pain and i didn't come to very quickly it was kind of like in and out for a long time and i was kind of half conscious and half wondering what had happened to me Uh, i could hear movement around me and i even remembered approaching the craft but i figured that that i'd been injured somehow and that i'd been taken to a hospital were you lying on a table or in a bed lying on my back and there, there was a light above me Dude, that was my immediate thought, was that they blasted him too hard, and they were like, oops. And then they're, like, essentially regrowing his body back. And that's why he's in so... That's why he can remember the pain, because he's... They're literally having to, like, regrow his skin and refuse his bones together, because they probably, like... You know, maybe they have a little bit harder external skin or you know stronger bones or something and so the blast that they did was the stun and then they just like almost kill this guy and they're like ah oops take him and start regrowing him back and it just like even even advanced civilizations it's still going to take time to regrow back your body and that's one of the things that he says um later and I don't think it was in this interview, but like nowadays he talks about it, that he thinks that potentially he was taken because they didn't mean to injure him. Right. And that they they took him up to to basically help him get better and then return. Yeah. Him. yeah. This is it was set to stun, but their stun was too strong for the human body. It, yeah, it wasn't quite calibrated correctly. Right. right. This was still the 70s. You know, yeah. they were still kind of getting used to the abduction thing. Weren't They've quite only there been yet. Here a couple decades. They hadn't started messing with the cows enough. Right, exactly. The that was cows the problem. Really, really taught them a lot, and then they're now moving on to humans. And this is yeah. probably one of the first human abductions. 
which is very similar to what humans do with, you know, pharmaceuticals and right. makeup. You always put it on a monkey first. Yeah. Or inject it in a rat and see what happens. Well, and, and if they had been blasting cows. Yeah. It probably was set a little bit higher than a human <laughs> body can take. Yeah. So at this point, Chris, he actually sees the aliens and describes what they look like. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And there was this thing lying across my chest. It was kind of like holding me down. I wasn't moving too much because it, it hurt. And I was felt really, really weak. But when I finally got where I could focus my eyes um, and made out these, you know, these faces, that were standing over me. You know, they were not doctors. This was this was something that just totally blew me away, is the appearance of these creatures. Can you describe them? Can you remember generally how they looked? Well, they were humanoid. You know, they had... They were just uh, large eyes, uh, kind of a large cranium, uh, no hair. No hair? Uh, it was, it was just such a shock. It was just, uh, it, you know, combined with the pain and, and you know, not being able to breathe, it just flipped out. Were they just standing around you, or were they communicating among themselves? Can you recall? Well, they were, you know, kind of uh, standing over me. At least one of them was closer than the others. And when I saw them, I just involuntarily sort of lashed out at them, and I... I was just so weak that it was just more of a push than anything. And my uh, my arm hit him in the chest and knocked him back into to the other one. So, Paul, I don't know if you remember this, but we had a Discover Magazine article that detailed, you know, like futurist conceptions on human evolution over the course of the next couple, like 10,000 years or something like that. It was pretty wild. And, you know, it was like every couple hundred years, they would show like how different changes in technology and stuff affected the way that humans evolved, right? So one of the early, you know, one of the early first different types of humans is a cyborg, right? When you start using, you know, actually implanting technology into your body, fusing it with your body, you kind of create like a early cyborg evolution right and then it's just different things like the super rich get access to better healthcare and genetics and testing and stuff like that so they essentially start creating like a superhuman race what would happen in interstellar space is that evolution would make it so eventually you would become hairless over time because the follicles get in the way of space travel only act as a detriment in space travel. And so you would over time become hairless the longer and longer and longer that your people are in space. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Why would they get in the way? Do you remember? Well, just in that hair follicles drop and they float around um. and like it literally becomes like a hazard to have hair in deep space yeah i mean it, it could either be that it's been removed evolutionarily yes. or that is just the standard where you do need to be hairless where it's you... genetic i think it becomes it's it's a genetic that, that becomes evolutionary yeah right 
they say, okay, if you're going on this inter, you know, these people are about to conduct an interstellar interstellar travel. We need to make sure they're genetically altered to do that. Oh, one of those things being hairless, as they were saying. So it's human guided, essentially, right? Or yeah. creature, whatever, being guided, yeah. right? Yeah, that's interesting. I and uh, I didn't, I don't remember that. It well, was a very cool article. So, Chris, he shoved the guy off, right? And at this point, the aliens, like, leave the room, and he follows them out and just runs the other way. Right. So he's trying to get out of whatever craft he's in the right ship? now. He's panicking. Yeah, that he's may like, not I'm... be smart if you're in the middle of space. <laughs> so I just took off to the left, just running. Oh, wait a minute. This was, there, there was an open door? Yeah. Oh, excellent. I figured they'd have locked you in, <laughs> but they didn't. No. So they... you just walked out? Yeah. Yeah, and they right. went to the right, so you went to the left. Yeah, that'd be my choice, too. Yeah. Well, I tried to find a way out. I, um, and uh, pushed some buttons and controls and things, you know, trying to open a door. Crazy, desperate sort of things. But uh, this was interrupted by a, a person, a being coming in, who I took to be human. I figured I was sa saved. And... Uh, uh, when he motioned for me to go with him, I uh, I went thinking that you know he was you know, saving me, rescuing me. Uh huh. And uh, he led me out of this craft. Out of a craft. Yeah. And at this point, it w was parked inside of uh, what appeared to be well, it was either a building or a part of a larger craft. Wow. And again, I felt no movement, you know, getting outside of there. The air was much more breathable. What is going on here? Like, what is the explanation? Like, if he is having some kind of vision or or uh, fog-related trauma thing, this is all wild. Like, this yeah. is a very intricate story of what is happening to this man. I mean, there are really only two possibilities. This is a giant hoax or yeah. this is real. I don't think there's right. an in-between. Yeah, there's no, you don't, he didn't have too much Benadryl and saw Hatman. Yeah, and it's, it's exactly, it's not like someone who, which on coast, there have been people who said that they were really sick with the flu and then they saw right. Mantis being, I'm like, well, yeah, you were having a fever dream. Right. I had one of those two once when I was a kid and I was watching too much Lost while I was sick. And I thought I was on Lost Island. It's because right. I had a hundred and three degree fever. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. See, you, you, your pineal gland probably burnt off <laughs> some of the, the calcified uh, residue on your yeah. pineal gland. And you were able to see kind of a different realm. Yeah. And it was Lost Island realm. Yeah. And all, dude, Lost was great, too. That was in the heyday of Lost. Oh, that was in the heyday of television, dude. Yeah. I mean, that was television was just kind of becoming awesome, right? Yeah. Then. So I, I think those are really the two options. I do love the idea, though, that the aliens walk out of the room and don't close the door. I'm like <laughs> all of it. He's not strapped down, but I, I, I think this is funnily enough. I think shows that there may be some truth to this. Because, again, in my immediate thought, I always have this notion that if you are an interstellar species, that 
you have evolved as a civilization to like it's just inbred into the system a certain type of morality and i think in that they couldn't conceptualize locking the doors they couldn't conceptualize trapping this man down right it's like well he's hurt and we're fixing him why would we need to strap him down why would we need to lock the doors like anybody can go anywhere on the ship right it's like a much more egalitarian type society and so they wouldn't like strap people down they wouldn't lock people in they wouldn't do these types of things because there would be no need to do those things yeah it's it could very much be that there is some sort of cultural norm right or some standard of their civilization that what maybe they don't have doors they're canadians yeah pretty much they're just canadians it's like an Ender's game, right? When the Formics uh, kill a bunch of the humans and it was their way of saying, hey, we're in the neighborhood. We're it here. wasn't intended to, you know, actually kill beings that have like autonomy, right? It's just like giving someone a poke. Yeah, they didn't think, oh, at some point the humans are going to come back and commit xenocide on us. Yeah, and destroy our planet. And that's going to be the hard thing about when we do eventually find alien life, if it is sentient. How are we going to actually communicate with it and understand each other when we come from like, it's hard enough coming from different countries while being the same species. Yeah. Imagine being different species from completely different planets. Like that's my worry with us going to war with aliens is like, are we going to be able to understand or communicate with each other? All the Abrahamic religions can't even get along, (laughs) let alone like vastly different cultures on earth. And they're all based on the same shit. They are the, it's the same guys. Yeah. It's all the same guys in their books. But even then, we can't agree and we'll kill each other senselessly. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's awesome. add a completely different evolutionary system from a planet thousands of light years away with a cultural code that is indis- like indecipherable from us. Like, this can only end badly. And it's shocking that if aliens have been visiting our planet as often as they have, how much restraint they've showed. Because I'm sure the people who are in the know have been awful. They've been terrible. They've, like, we probably should have been destroyed multiple times. Yeah, the aliens must be really nice, honestly. They know not what they do when it comes, you know what I mean? That's probably how they see us. Yeah, they, well, and again, I think they probably see that the vast majority of us are powerless. Well, if you think about it, though, in that sort of scenario, if these aliens were to be traveling interstellar space, they're going to be a lot more experienced than us. It may make the most sense for them to observe us for a while before actually interacting. Oh, yeah. Because they're going to want to understand, like, what are the nuances of our civilization? How can they approach us so that we'll understand? And how can they best understand us? Because, like, you can't just fly over to some planet and be like, hey, what's up? You don't know what's going to happen. You got to watch them for a little bit, observe figure out the best approach so that we all don't try and kill each other. I think that makes sense. And we're ran by sociopaths and psychopaths. We we like to kill each other a lot. We're pretty good at that. Like that's our leadership. uh, And now they're geriatric psychopaths. They are pooping their pants and wanting to drop bombs on people. And that's a very bad combination. 
They may just be waiting out the generation. They're waiting it out, dude. They're like, these baby boomers are insane. We have to talk to a different generation. (laughs) It's probably going to be X. It probably will be X because X is essentially a silent generation. They haven't done anything. They're like, they're culturally not on the map. Their, Their leadership in politics, almost non-existent. Can you imagine if the aliens did go secretly to talk to like Mitch McConnell or Joe Biden? I don't think anyone would believe them. They'd be like, oh, Mitch. Yeah. Oh, buddy. We're going to have to put you back to bed. Yeah. And that's why he keeps on having those brain ticks (laughs) is because he was he just got blasted by an alien UFO and is coming back from the five days of being rebuilt. And he's like, uh, uh. Uh, All right, let's get back to the story, though, Chris. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So this last part, he sees this human-like being, right, who takes him to another room of human-like beings that are on oh, the ship. Okay, okay. All right, did he say anything to you? No, I you know I was really trying, but I thought that maybe it was because of this helmet that he was wearing. A helmet? That he couldn't speak to me or hear what I was saying or something. But when he took me to these other people and they didn't have helmets, I started over with the same, uh, you know, torrent of questions. And they didn't answer me either. They just uh, started to uh, well, where, on the table. Where were these? Okay, he took you out of the one craft into what was another craft or a building and to some other beings? Yeah, human-looking beings. Human-looking beings. And, and they just, you know put me down, put, forced me down on this table. I started to try to fight back at that point, and uh, I was still too weak, and there were too many of them. And they put a mask over my face, and oh, I went out real quick. Oh, uh, in the movie, of course, it showed this really weird membrane-like stuff being put over you, but it was a mask, mm-hmm. and you went out. It was, yeah. a- it was anesthesia of some kind. Yeah. Kind of lines up a little bit with our face peelers, too. Yeah, it does. It does. When they put the, what she called, like, a white substance on her face. Yeah. I still feel great about that. Don't feel great about it. But I'll say this. um, He doesn't give the color, but it is interesting that we kind of, they keep on putting things on people's faces. Mm -hmm. Like, what's that about? I mean... It's similar to what doctors do with with right. anesthesia, right? right. Or ether true. back Very in the true. day. So it could I, be you, the most efficient way of knocking someone out. You put a mask on somebody at the dentist's office, right? And get a bunch yeah. of laughing gas and you feel really nice. That could, It could be the same thing. It could be like, this is, you know, humans breathe. Let's just get right. them through their respiration. It's going to knock them out real yeah. quick. And it just, it's a, it's like, and again, it sounds like we're actually dealing with different cultures. Yeah. Like different alien species have their you know the the usa is using the gas mask Mm -hmm. right but the arcturians are using a cloth that goes over the face and the mantis people are using a cream that goes over a person's face but it's all the same stuff yeah yeah basically well at this point chris he's knocked out he wakes up on the side of the road walks into town and calls his family to come pick him up and Travis Walton is returned and shares his story of an alien abduction with the world. Is that okay? Uh, there's no clip on that. Uh, there's not. Well, I, I have a clip on like okay. him returning to town. Okay. 
So at this point, he's he uh, he's he wakes up on the side of the road and then he walks back into town. Probably glad to be back on Earth. Oh yeah, you know, I just ran just as hard as I could down across the bridge. There was some lights on in this one building. Did, did you? Would you let, let me ask you, Travis. Did you know where you were when you when you regained consciousness and looked around? Did you recognize where you were? Well, at, at first I didn't, but I figured out the stretch of road and the lights down there where I must be, and uh, and then ran down into the town. The closer I got, of course, the more I knew that it was the town. Sure. And, uh, I, you know, to make a long story short, I finally uh, was able to telephone my family, and they came and got me. Hey, guys, just been finished up with a abduction <laughs> with some aliens. Yep. And they took me to uh, uh, a whole different world. So uh, can you guys come pick me up now, please? Can you come get me, please? Can you come pick me up now, please? I would like to come home. I'm hungry. Yeah. So that is the story of Travis Walton. Now, Chris, would you like to hear the skeptical side of what the more skeptics among us say about the Travis Walton incident? Well, we hate them, but let's hear what they have to say. So basically what a skeptic like Michael Shermer would say, Ugh, uh, I know the worst is that uh, Travis Walton and Mike both staged a hoax because they were behind on their contract. And basically they wanted to use the act of God inclusion in the contract to give a reason for them to extend it, right. And not lose the contract. So, you know, force majeure is always going to be in a contract of like, this could be yeah. broken because of this reason. Yeah. So what if there's an earthquake while yeah. you're cutting logs. Exactly. So the force majeure, according to skeptics was that there was an alien reduction, which would then get them out of their liability. I guess that would be force <laughs> majeure and the technical sense. Yeah. Uh, alien abduction? Where's that clause? Uh, we're going to need that <laughs> added specifically, please. Why do you need alien abduction? Believe me, we're going to need it. So the whole idea is that Mike and Travis were the ones who were in on this to trick everyone else that was in the truck. Oh. Yeah. So but they so were. So it's just the two of them in on it. The two of them and Travis's brother. Okay. Is the theory. All right. So basically what they would need is Travis and Mike. Mike was driving the car. Travis gets abducted. They needed someone to actually stage the alien UFO, right? Okay, I'm following. So the theory How being, the heck do they do that? So the theory is, is that there was a fire watchtower in the vicinity. Okay. So they used some sort of giant spotlight that was aimed at the truck so that it, since it was dark, no one could see. You're in the middle of forest. There's no street right. lights. Yes. Like you have this giant light blast. Yes. You. Uh, and then, you know, they peel out, drive away, all that good stuff. Um, right. And then the light turns off and then they go back and then Travis is gone. Cause, and he goes with his brother. But they don't find him with any like dogs or anything like that with the search he, party. You would think that there would be some kind of smell. He would have driven off with his brother. Oh, okay. So idea. he like lies where he is. Yeah. Until the car comes and picks him up. Until he gets picked up. <sighs> okay. Got so it. that's the theory of what happened. The other thing that people use against him is that uh, they liked UFOs. There was a recent UFO documentary that had come out and they had been heard discussing the UFO documentary. Okay. Uh, and then they just put him in a hotel a couple of towns over yeah. for five days. And then he just comes back and he's like, what's up? 
Right. So I don't like the fact that they use the UFO documentary thing against them or the fact they talk about UFOs. Yeah. As someone who talks about UFOs a lot, I hope that won't be used against me if I ever get abducted. <laughs> this podcast is definitely getting used against us, Paul. No one like, would ever no believe us. What. No that matter sucks. what. We yeah. don't even need to get abducted. It'll just be used against us. Oh, yeah. This is um, a, they run a conspiracy and paranormal podcast. You can't They're making them. it all up to get more followers. And it's like, listen, we have like 200 followers. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, more, need, more than that. That's, that's way more than even Jesus had. So that's whatever. Actually, that's, that is true. We do have dude, more followers than Jesus. Dude had 12 disciples. We have like a thousand. You're going to get us in trouble, dude. You know how much <laughs> trouble the Beatles got in when they said they're bigger than Jesus? <laughs> really messed up their career for a while. Yeah. I'm bigger um, than Muhammad, at least. No. no. <laughs> Peace be upon him. Um, so that is basically what's been used against him. Now, he took another lie detector test before the movie came out because there was okay. a big skeptic, a UFO a, a ufologist who didn't believe him. Took a lie detector test again. Uh, Travis passed it, right? As okay, did. That's actually pretty interesting. But here's the thing. Surely, even by the 70s, people knew how to break the box. And that's one of the things that is brought up by skeptics is that they think that he was able to cheat the lie detector. That would It's explain- very easy. You know, so the, the way that I heard people do it is that they put like a little thumbtack in their shoe. And so on every answer in which they're supposed to tell a truth, they stick their t- their toe down on the thumbtack that causes them pain that creates a sensation as if they were telling a lie. And so it looks like when you're lying, when you're telling the truth, you're lying. And so it totally breaks the box the, because the, that's your response to a truth, right? Is that your heart rate increases. And so when you tell the lie and your heart rate increases, they can't tell the difference. Do you see? Well, and the the inverse of that is controlled breathing to keep your blood pressure down. Right. right. So that yeah. and it's it's the same idea is that Meditation. that way when you're lying, yeah, you don't have because all it's doing is measuring what is deemed to be a physiological response to lying, which is like increased right. blood pressure, sweat, and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, now so, he he did go on a TV show, okay, that was offering people a hundred thousand dollars to pass a lie detector test on their crazy story. Okay, so he did this because he had just gotten laid off and he needed money. He goes to the TV show, fails the test when it comes to the question of did he get abducted by aliens? No way. Now he claims that what the techniques being used on this TV show were not standard procedure. They did not establish a baseline and that the results can't be trusted. They basically were doing a TV show where they didn't want to give the money away. They don't want to give the money away. Which I I honestly believe. I don't think some random network TV show wouldn't be gaming the system. Yeah. Well, and also, right. Well, and I was going to say, you know, it's like, it's playing the game of guess what numbers in my head. (laughs) <laughs> and then losing you know it's yeah. like you get a hundred thousand dollars if you guess what numbers in my head uh, five no sorry it was six yep there you go so after that he did take more lie detector tests which he has passed so he either is good at beating the, the lie detector which is perfectly right. possible or yeah. you know in some way he's telling the truth um but skeptics would say that it was staged 
Well, and I would also say each time you take a test, it becomes easier. Yeah. Right? And they're asking probably generally the same questions. And your body actually, like, almost it almost becomes like white blood cells learning a disease, right? It's just over time, your body acclimates to being asked these questions, and it becomes much easier that the, the story is ingrained in your brain yeah, by yeah. retelling it over and over and over again to where at a certain point, it if it didn't happen, they almost now believe that it happens because the memory of it happening is ingrained in their brain. Well, Chris, on a scale of one to five fireballs in the sky, what do you give our boy Travis Walton? It's a pretty good story. So I'm going to give him, I think, four fires in the sky nice i i'm also going to give him four fires in the sky regardless of if it's a hoax or not it's a classic and it's well done and i i love the aspect of him being gone five days i love that they were witnesses and they all passed their lie detector test so either they got tricked by some fancy spotlight or they actually did see something be it spooks or be it aliens and i think that's fun so I'm, i'm four out of five for fun that's what i'm giving this one how would they have recreated him getting blasted? I don't know. They don't. I have not seen any skeptic explaining him getting blasted. Because um, because Mike does back that up, right? That he got blasted in the sky and the other guys yeah. backed it up, right? That he yeah. gets blasted and falls backwards. Yeah. So my thinking is that that would be a difficult one to do in the 70s. But again, I guess they're they're lumberjacks, you know, they probably have some access to explosives and some understanding of explosives. Yeah, so they could have done a small explosive charge and then, yeah. you know, Travis knew where it was, didn't get too close for it to kind it. Kind of understood where it was yeah. gonna be and kind yeah, of made some yeah. preparations to make it as safe as possible. Yeah, you got a spotlight in your face, you can't see clearly, you know. I yeah. don't know. I, I think there's probably a way they could have figured out something yeah. like that to kind of add yeah. to the flare. Um, I don't think it explains the descriptions of the ship, but that could have been like an after the facts, you know, they as you're talking with people, then you're you know. I don't know. It could have been seated by Mike of like, oh yeah, I saw a ship or something like that. Right. And everyone else started agreeing with him. Yeah. Right. Right. So and yeah, and then it's kind of like, oh well, one guy is saying this, and it's like, and you probably can kind of because of the fear of the situation, kind of play with everybody's mind if you know what is happening. Yeah. Exactly. So it's probably a possibility, but. That will be the fire in the sky, Travis Walton story, Chris. So we will wrap it's, it up there. I got one more thing. Yeah. What is there not an easier act of God clause than to come up with UFO? I would say there are many easier act of God clauses. Maybe I would rather almost like stage some sort of arson incident or something like that. I just I don't know if any reasonable person would think. You know what will get me out of this? Pretending my buddy got abducted. Because it's like, who's going to believe you? By aliens. Because at the time, no one believed them. Everyone thought that they killed Travis. Right. And then Travis comes back, and then everyone still thought that they were lying. So they're like, there's no way it could have been aliens. Right. So either they're really dumb, but listening to them talk, they don't seem that dumb. No. So I don't know. I don't know what happened here, Chris. 
This was a good one. This was a fun one. Fire in the sky, man. The good story. It you know, it's a December of alien abductions, is what I've decided. There you go. Why not? The I mean, we're supposed to be pretty close to disclosure, so maybe we're prepping everyone for disclosure right now. As part of the deep state, Chris, we are seeding um all all, everything to get people ready so their brains don't melt. So um come back next week and we'll have more alien abduction stories, probably. Why not? Let's go. (laughs) That'll be the show. Oh, conspiracy all the time. Later.